Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? Whatever the fuck you want to call yourselves. Welcome aboard. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF, the podcast. On the show today, we've got comedian Mike Kaplan, who I've uh, known a bit over the years. He's a new guy. He's an up-and-coming guy. He's a smart guy, and he's a guy I find a little irritating uh, in the sense that uh, I've always sensed that his disposition was a little arrogant, but I'm probably going to find that to be false, but he's a good comic. He's a vegan. Uh, He's, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that uh, I could find annoying, but I always liked him, and I'm excited to talk to him. Also on the show, we're going to be talking to a couple that's written a book. Jerry and Kathy McDowell have written a book called The Perfect Marriage, and I thought I'd reach out and help me and help you. Maybe we can learn some stuff here. We'll see. But before we get to that, let's do this. Pow! Oh, man. Oh, I think I did just shit my pants. Is that okay? That's JustCoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com, where there are some new things, some new things available to you, which I will tell you about later. But first, I'd like to discuss a moral predicament that I had the other day with myself, with the world, with the God. I don't know if he's there or not, but it was a moral predicament, and I was sort of surprised at the way my brain worked, and I don't know if I can rationalize it. I don't know if some of you know this, but some people do. I I, uh, I feed hummingbirds. I, I I sort of spitefully feed them. Is that possible? I don't know. I Look, a, a while back, I was going through the stuff that was left here at the house when I bought it, and there were these two hummingbird feeders. So uh, so I, I decided, look, I got nothing to do. This, this, this counts as being creative behavior. I'm going to clean these things up, do a little research, fill them up with stuff, and put them out in the front and back of my house and feed the birds. Feed the fucking hummingbirds. That's what I'm going to do. And that was the attitude I had. I'm going to feed these little fuckers. Like, I, I was angry about doing the work for some reason. So I clean these things up and I, I, I do the research. You know, it doesn't have to be red. I don't know if you know that. Uh, hummingbird water. Hummingbird feed is just tap water. Uh, one to four. Quarter cup of sugar. One cup of tap water. You got to leave the tap water because it has minerals in it. You mix that up, and you just put it in these feeders. The, the red flowers, the fake flowers on the feeders are good enough. I, I, I have a mild fascination with hummingbirds. They're kind of cool, but I, I really was... Here's how insecure I am. I, I was sitting there putting together these hummingbird feeders, saying to myself, these fuckers better come. You know, I'm doing this for them. They better come. I don't even know if they're out there, but these little flying, fast-flying fuckers better come and 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 slurp this shit up that I'm putting out there for him. So I had a lot of expectation and and some part of my fragile ego was on the line cuz the thought of being rejected by hummingbirds was just too much for my my sensitive uh artistic ego to 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 deal with given that I just spent all this time putting together these feeders. So I did it. I put them together. I filled them up. I put them out, and sure enough, the little fuckers came. They are so cool, man. I mean, I can sit and watch hummingbirds for at least three or four minutes. No, I've actually watched them for about 15 or 20 minutes, because once you get the hang of hummingbirds, they are vicious little bastards. 
They're nasty little fuckers. And, and, and I, I had no idea. Because you think like, just as weird the way they float in the air and they flit and their wings go so fast. And you're like, oh, it's so precious, so nice. And there they are, just pristine and gorgeous and floating about with that, that sound, that But let me tell you something, vicious bastards. Because I got them out in my backyard. I got the feeder out in the backyard. There's a big tree down the, down the hill. And they just sit up there perching the tree three or four of them in different locations and they dive bomb in. They come and they, they, they just come up to the feeder and then another one will come out of the air and start dogfighting with that one and just like flank them. And there's just hummingbird wars. No one discusses the hummingbird wars. Well, I'm going to talk about it. There is a, a problem. There is a, a, a global community problem in the hummingbird world. I mean, these fuckers are beating the shit out of each other. They're just dive bombing each other. It's crazy. It's, it's like watching a very, very small and organic version of Top Gun. But, and also, they don't give a fuck about you either. The hummingbird stood me down. I mean, a, a hummingbird stood me down. I walk out my backyard. He's like, you know, at the feeder. And I walk right up to him and he gets right in my face. Like, you know, you got a problem? You want to go? And I'm, I had to step back because I didn't know if he was going to poke my eyes out. Who the hell knows with these animals? Vicious little bastards. But I, that, that makes me respect them. It's like they got the veneer and the behavior and the sort of like, look at me, how precious and cute and small I am. And I'm just a perfect little being. And underneath, they're like, get the fuck out of the way. I'm doing this. So what happens? I'm sitting at my table and I'm just I'm plinking away on the keys, doing the business probably uh, you know, justifying or rationalizing that social networking is somehow work for three hours. And I heard that sound, you know, that you know, that kind of resonating like gink. That is only only one thing sounds like that if you live in a house with windows, and that is a bird hitting the window. Gink. And I'm like, oh no. Because I knew it would happen. I knew it happened. Those birds are out front all the time around that feeder. And uh, I was like, oh, man, a hummingbird hit the feeder. And I said that to my intern, who I now have an intern now, who I am paying. I don't believe in slave labor. But uh, my intern, Brian, I said, that was a hummingbird hit the, hit the window. And he's like, oh, really? He's doing a great job, by the way. And I'm like, yeah, what am I going to do? I got to go look. So I look out the window, and sure enough, there's a hummingbird sitting on the ground, on the, on the front patio there on the little porch and there's a wall and then inside there's a little area and he had plinked up against the window bonked it and now he was on the ground and he's looking around and i i knew he was hurt i knew he was hurt it didn't look like his neck was broken or he would have been dead but he was just there like you know like birds are when you see them and they're not flying and they're not moving pro- you know they're just sitting there you're like that bird's fucked it's it's gonna die i don't know what's gonna happen and then i was sitting there going what am i gonna do what am i gonna do with this thing yeah nothing in me my first thought was not like, you know, let's put him in a shoebox and bring him to the vet like I'm seven. My parents, you know, it's a little project that my parents say, maybe you should you know, put some gloves on and put, put it in a shoebox and, and we'll go figure it. We'll call the vet. You'll call the vet or now it would probably be like you go online, figure out how you help the bird. And then you get a little lesson in, uh, in watching things die. That was not my thought at all. I was like, I don't know what we're going to do with this. I, I, you know, because if you touch a bird, they're screwed because then apparently they're rejected by the rest of the bird community and they die, you know, alienated in some sort of bird-like Siberia, isolated. But I don't know. These hummingbirds seem like loners anyways, but I don't know if it would have, if I touched it and it did fly away, is it going to be able to get laid again? Is it done with anyone? I don't, that, that really didn't cross my mind. 
honestly, the first thing that came into my mind was I'm going to let LaFonda out and, uh, and, and give this bird the ending it deserves as an animal that, uh, that fucked up. I'm going to let my cat deal with this issue. I'm going to let my cat go out there and, and take care of this bird. Because I figure if I'm an animal, you know, I, why not go out like animals go out? You, you know, you know, you're fighting for your life. But then it was handicapped. And what am I? What does that make me thinking that? Like, you know, let's just let the predator. Let's let LaFonda, the vicious little bitch that she is, you know, go out there and just, you know, start you know, ripping this thing to shreds. It probably, you know, LaFonda would probably play with it for two hours, prolonging the suffering of this bird. I felt bad that I thought of that, but I was doing it for the cat. And on some level, I'd rationalized that uh, I was also doing it for the bird. And something inside of me said that that's not right. That's not right, man. Go out and see how badly the bird is hurt. Because I thought it broke its long little nose. And that I, I didn't know what to do. Anyways, so I walk out the front door and I look at the bird. It looks at me and it takes off. And just boom, gone. And it had been sitting down there for like three minutes. And I'm like, what the hell was that about? Why didn't it just fly away? And I thought like, was it stunned? Was it? But you know what? It was probably feeling ashamed of itself. You know, it, it hit the window. It was probably just sitting on the porch going, I'm a fucking idiot. Can you, I can't fucking believe I hit the window. I hope no one saw that. I'm an idiot. I'm just going to lay low, let this blow over. Maybe none of the other uh, you know hummingbirds will fuck with me later. I'm going to be that guy, you know, the guy that hit the window. It's bad enough we got to fight for these stupid fake flowers and the sugar water, and I got to be the guy that hit the window. I'm just going to hang out. And Layla, oh, who's this dude? I'm out of here. And he flew away with a little humility. I think that's the message there. That's that's an animal fable about humility. Is that if you survive your mistake, you know, learn from it, be aware of it, and realize that uh, you're fragile, you're vulnerable, you're not immortal, and you got to take care of yourself and kind of laugh it off. A little humility there. That came from the humiliation. I hope he's okay with the community. I, I won't be able to identify him, but I hope he's all right. I, I have a hard time, you know, with the dying animals. I get attached to animals, but after a certain point, you know, people who grew up on farms know this. I remember having a conversation with my buddy Jim Gepner back in the day, and uh, yeah, he grew up in Montana or somewhere, and I had this mouse problem in my apartment, and I felt bad. You know, I thought I could cohabitate with the mice, and he's like, what, what's wrong with you? They're like, they're vermin. They're like bugs. You just, you kill them. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're rodents. They're not bugs. They, they, uh, they're funner than bugs. You know, they're, they're much more expressive and, and they're, they're rodents. You know, bugs are disgusting. You, you don't just step. But then I remembered years ago, I worked in a coffee shop in Harvard Square called the Coffee Connection. Some of you might remember it. It was a pre-Starbucks coffee shop that did sort of a similar thing. It was very sort of, uh, you know, snobby about coffee, coffees from around the world. They only served their coffee if you sat down in the restaurant in French presses and every coffee had instructions. And it was all very, uh, very high end. And, yeah, of course, I worked there with a bunch of uh, artists and or, you know, or people who weren't doing their art. You know, the pre hipster hipsters. I mean, this wasn't the time of the hipster. So there was a, you know, just your regular college town group of people that worked in a coffee shop. A lot of big dreams, a lot of big talk. A lot of philosophies and ideas. A lot of people that were pretending like they knew about life but didn't. 
And I had just, uh, I'd been in Los Angeles already, so I'd been chewed up and spat out once and uh, had a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, I was that guy. You know, I was that, I was the guy at the, I was the barista who was, you know, yeah, they're already bitter. You know, twenty two. You know, sort of like, yeah, I used to, I used to live in Los Angeles. Used to hang out with Kennison. You know what sentiment on that? That guy. I was that guy. But I had an edge, you know, somewhat earned edge. And I used to open the place, so I remember one morning, you know, getting there a little late, and uh, everyone was behind the counter, you know. Uh, uh, the gay guy, I'm not isolating him, but there was this gay guy who, you know, was very, uh, very feminine, nice guy. I wonder what happened to that guy. And then there was Peter and uh, his girlfriend. Peter was a painter and his girlfriend was a painter's girlfriend. That's a trick, huh? And I just remember they're all sitting there, the guy who was a cook, and they're all standing in a circle behind the counter. And um, I walk in, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And they're all standing there looking at this mouse that's stuck on a piece of sticky paper, on a sticky trap, just sitting there twitching on a sticky trap. And all of them are standing around looking at it like, oh, it's so sad. What do we do? What do we do? And that wasn't anyone specific. You can put that voice on anybody you want. It was just the general tone of the situation. And they're like, what do we do? What do we do? And I don't know where it came from or what happened, but I just like, I just stepped in and I stomped on it with my foot and smashed it and picked it up and threw it away. And they were like, all of them were like, what the fuck? Why would you? And I'm like, that's what needed to be done. And they never looked at me the same. They looked at me. I was like, you know, I was like Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. I'd, I'd done something. You know, I'd... I'd made an example, I'd transgressed, I'd set a moral standard as the guy who, you know, the killer of mice. What are you going to do, though? Are you going to throw it in the garbage so you don't have to think about it and it suffocates or dies and prolongs its suffering? It's tough. I, you know, and I deliberate this stuff. The thing about Gepner, my problem was I had mice. And this was more personal. This was an ego issue with the mice. You know, I, 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 had, to kill a, I had to kill a mouse because, you know, it fucked with me and insulted my intelligence. And, and that, that's, that's where I draw a line with these things. I had this mouse living in, in my queen's apartment. And I knew what it was doing. You know, it was like it seemed to be hanging out in this one bowl that had a rag in it. And, you know, it looked like it was sleeping in there when I was asleep. And it was shitting, you know, around. But, ah, fuck it. You know, I used to like seeing it, you know, scurry across the floor sometimes. It was my friend. I didn't name him. But he was hanging out. And I was like, I can live with this. Is there any reason we have to kill these mice? I mean, they're dirty, but how, you know, I'm dirty. So, uh, so we're, we're cohabitating. No problem. And then, and then one morning I wake up, I go to the fridge and somehow I open the freezer to get the coffee out and there's mouse shit on top of the refrigerator. What the, how the fuck Mouse shit on top of the refrigerator. And I swear to God, folks, I sat there and I could not figure out how that mouse had gotten to the top of my refrigerator to shit. It was almost like he was shitting at me. Like, you know, all right, we're friends. You know what? I'm going to push the envelope a little bit, you know? And he, he went on top of the refrigerator. I don't know if he flew there or, you know, there was a series of uh, some Rube Goldberg device that, you know, he, he wasn't part of, but he used to get on top that I didn't know about 
or there was a bunch of mice and they were flipping each other up. I don't know. All I know is I didn't know, and, and I took it as a line drawn in the sand. And I'm like, you have baffled me. I can't understand how you did this. It's, it's disgusting, and it's obviously uh, antagonistic, and I'm going to fucking kill you. So I put a sticky trap out, and I got him, and uh, I suffocated him. I didn't let him suffer too much. Pow! My guest is Mike Kaplan. That's M-Y-Q. Mike. Is that short for something? Uh, It's made up, so I say it's short for M-Y-Q-L, but... You made it up? I did when I was a kid. And that... So you had your name changed when you were a kid? I mean, it's not le- it's legally just Michael, normal. Oh, and you made it up. How old were you? Oh, it was like it was when Prince changed his name to a symbol, and I decided to do something weird. How old were you? Like fourteen or fifteen. Oh, so it wasn't that young? No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't like a precocious word changing genius. I, that came later. But I think you were precocious if you actually committed to the MYQ. I did a little bit. I mean, when I started doing comedy, it sort of worked uh, to Google my name better because there's a lot of Mike and Michael Kaplan's out there. Sure. Well, it's like Louis C.K. Do you know how to spell C.K.? Yeah, it's like S-Z-E-K-E-L-Y. Yeah. Oh, so you actually studied other people that have shortened their names to make them clever and catchy. It's, uh, I do a lot. I put in all the work. Mm. Good research. Well, you know, I, uh, I, I, I've met you many times and I, I know you and I don't find you too irritating, but, uh. I think that's the highest praise that I could expect to come today. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're uh you know, you seem to have your shit together a little too much for me to understand. That's and I, what, yeah, that's we, what I thought. We've had this conversation before, I think, in other forms. That Don't is, you think? I think so. Because, you know, you you're you know, you write your jokes, you keep in shape, you don't have any visible uh signs of weakness other than, you know, uh your little bit of a controlly guy. That sounds right. And uh, you're vegan, which is a little irritating because to me it it, it it connotes some sort of condescension that I'm projecting onto you. I eat honey if that helps you. I don't care about bees. A lot of but, vegans. But honey doesn't kill bees. It, sometimes uh, they, they there's like a big truck full of millions of bees, and it uh, they get into trouble. That's what a friend of mine, a vegan friend of mine, told me. <laughs> they get into trouble. Yeah, they were like they had to, they went off the road. It, 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 I don't know how often it happens, but these bees had to be like hosed down. Like millions of bees were killed. Maybe it only happened once. <laughs> and that's why uh, the bees are disappearing. It's because of honey consumption. I. Uh, I'm, I haven't done all the research in this because, like I said, I don't care about them as much. I'm not sure what it is. I Maybe I see myself in you, if that's possible. I think there's a... I mean, we believe a lot of the same things. Like, I respond... I love your comedy. I, yeah. Even though it's, it's certainly... It's not the comedy that I do specifically. Like, right. I, I try to tell the truth about myself. I try yeah. to be honest. But, like, a lot of times the truth about myself is, I'm thinking of words. Here yeah. they are. You know? <laughs> that's... <laughs> you did it in the kitchen. Yeah, it's... I was putting... Uh, I put my meatballs on a and on a warmed up piece of um, of naan bread, garlic naan, and you uh, very quickly said uh, it's Indian bread with with cow on it, and there was no joke there. But that's how your brain works. It, it is it is how it works. Uh, so. You look at uh, jokes as math. You're one of those guys. I do. I mean, I definitely I don't look at anything as an absolute. So I you know I I think along the over the years I've gotten looser and more 
open and like I, I used to only write like you know sort of one-liners like you know pun-based kind of, like there if you saw Puns me yeah, seven years ago horrible you would I would be more than a little irritating it's, it's, I'm very glad you got out of the pun world yeah I mean there's there, no good in puns and I mean there's some like if if you can hide them if you can hide them in between meaning then I guess but even even a great pun stinks understood I mean am I wrong uh I think because all you can ever do with a pun is go oh yeah that's clever <laughs> I've, Maybe I believe that I've figured out a way to you know I write they they still they come into my head I write them down in my notebook and I say this is a pun don't do you tell have your it on notebook stage. with you uh, I do in my bag have my notebook yeah go get the okay. notebook this is a new notebook so I got actually I just realized I wrote this this addition to a joke yesterday I have mm -hmm. a, a thing I've been doing about like I'm not I don't know if you can't see me if you can hear from my voice I'm not good at sports. I am, you know, he's a small Jew with glasses. That is, uh, is I'm that good, wrong? That is no, that is absolutely correct. I'm great at ping pong. That's my sport. That's uh, that's what I can do. But the Super Bowl happened, and so like my my relation to the Super Bowl is like I'm like, hey, where can I get a Super Bowl of salad around here? And that's what I say. See, it's that's a pun. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Does that get a laugh? It get that gets a. I mean, it's I keep I keep piling it on because I, actually I was talking to a guy about the Super Bowl in, in the context that neither of us cared about it. These two big guys overheard us at this bar, and this was like, you know, a month before, the, two months before the Super Bowl. And they were like, who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl this year? And in my head, I'm like, oh, lettuce and tomato? I don't know. And the... <laughs> That's what would happen in your head? Yeah. But you chose at that moment not to share that. I didn't share that. What I shared actually was I was like, two football teams, am I right? Is that, are we men? High five, you know? And you, and you got roughly the same look as if you would have said lettuce and tomato. Basically, yeah. Yeah. They, but uh, so now the jo the joke ends now that like essentially I'm people are lucky that I pronounce Super Bowl correctly because if it were up to me I would say it I, the first time I saw it superb owl that's how I read that's because I like birds you know and you know who uh, who did is that the, the joke the, the we're almost there we're almost there uh, that's, no, that's it's all building up to this but oh, you yeah. do this whole you do the whole bit I do this bit that's uh, a long bit okay oh yeah go ahead finish it up uh, the the end of it is that uh, who do you think is going to be in the superb owl this year like mm -hmm. perhaps the ravens or the eagles or other teams that are birds but you know who's playing at the half halftime show who the who yeah the who you know that's uh, uh -huh. that happened I just a guy mentioned that the who I remember that the who was performing at the super bowl this year were so they they were that was they performed at the halftime show of the super bowl so it worked perfectly to put into this joke for the you know now, how did that days. joke do? Seriously. Last night, applause break. Applause break? Applause break on The Who. Where? At the Great and Secret show, the Walsh Brothers comedy show. How many people were there? Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that's that's great. And I, I, I used to have a lot of friends that, uh, that wrote jokes like you. You're, you're a smart guy. You're a nice guy. Uh, you put a lot of work into your craft. And you know you're you're experiencing the first sort of uh, wave of buzz and heat. For me, I'm like I'm a pleaser now. Like I enjoy like I want people to like me because I wasn't liked. You know, yeah. in high school, perhaps that's I don't know if that's the psychology if it's that simple. But were you, were you really not liked in high school? I I moved right after eighth grade or right before eighth grade to a place I didn't have any social skills. I'd gone to like a, pri a small private school. And we were all friends, you know, the twenty people in my class up to seventh grade. So eighth, you, you were in, you were in a sort of precious existence. I was completely. And then in eighth grade, I started over and didn't know how to do it. So and you were in a public school. Then? I was in a public school with giant glasses, braces, slick down hair, no social skills, no dancing ability. Where? What town? Uh, in northern Jersey, in uh, Upper Saddle River, in Allendale, New Jersey. Uh huh. So yeah, my high school experience was 
mostly lonely. Like there's some people that are nice to you that now if I could go back and tell myself, hey, remember those people who were, you were like surprised would hold open a door yeah. and say hello mm -hmm. and ask you questions sometimes. Like you should follow, the, follow up, follow yeah. up with those people. Because that's how you make like now. If I meet a person in comedy that I that I like, mm. even at you know, because friendship in comedy is weird. Because you start doing comedy and like I was in Boston, and there's you see all the same people at the same time, yeah. and you're hanging out with them at bars every night, which is what friends do. But they're not your friends until you hang out not in that situation. Right when you're you know during the day when you're both walking around going I don't know what the fuck is going to happen I can't get on stage at that place and yeah uh, what am I supposed to do I hate this temp job that kind of stuff that yeah so I mean when I started. You know, when I was like, that guy's a guy that I would like to talk to. You know, you email. I just be like, hey, we should talk now. And then yeah. they're like, yeah, we should talk. And then so then that's how friends get born. But I didn't know that in high school. No, I know. Yeah. And the weird thing about comics is that you have to assume that we're all, you know, kind of, you know, square pegs somehow. You know, that you know, that no one would do this that fit into the real world in a proper way. So we're all a bunch of misfits. Which and I think maybe that's where I don't feel necessarily that way about myself now like i think i could you know if i There's wanted still to still time for you to fuck everything up i'm i'm sure that it yeah, definitely, definitely but would you know it but uh, you know i know another the other who's the other only child nick kroll's an only child he's doing great yeah so maybe that's the thing you know robin williams was an only child yeah, maybe I, there's something insulated about that maybe it's a good thing yeah i mean i certainly uh i mean I, everything could go wrong you know in the world in general or in my life it uh, will yeah, of, of, certainly, but just I hope that I die before that. Or, uh, or you hope that you overcome it, and you probably will. But let's let's get back to this. Um, first of all, the moment, like, when did you decide that you were, like, uh, what, what, did your funniness come out of trying to adjust in eighth grade in that transition? I don't even think, I mean, I think I remember. You don't think you're funny? Uh, I didn't, then, I don't think I was funny then. But you look like a straight A kind of guy. You look like the guy who sucked up and got the good fucking grades, didn't disrupt class. I mean, I come from a different school. You're, I was that guy, yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't specifically suck up. Like, everybody sucked up in elementary school. And then in high school, all I had was being smart. Like, You're, that was the only thing that I was, was smart. And so perhaps there was some arrogance then. Like, I was always told by my, you know, mm -hmm. Jewish family, like, you're the best, you can do anything. And I was good at a lot of they things. They all say that. It's such a fucking lie. It you, is. You can't do anything. That's certainly, I know that now, for sure. I mean, I can't do anything. Why do, yeah. why do parents tell kids that? It's it's a disillusioning. Why don't they just tell them to, you know, acknowledge their limitations, lower their expectations, and, you know, do what you can? Because that would prob. I mean, would, do you think that that would make people accomplish more than they would have? If no, but they might be happier people. I mean, what do you, we're, we're all, you know, the Jews set you on this weird race for a grail that is not available. I, I mean, there, it, there's the way that Jews are wired is that like you're never going to be as good as as uh, as we want you to be. But you just and they they use that as a, a, meth, a methodology to get keep you trying. But when it, what happened to me is I veered off from that. Because like I didn't, you know, I didn't go to become. I could have become. I'm sure. I imagine a doctor or a, a thing that. Yeah, why didn't you do I, that? Because I really liked. I like performing music. That's how I got into performing. Is I. You I, play guitar. I played. I played violin as from age four. Hated it. Uh, my Holy shit! They, you you took all the paths that would just make you hated by any normal person. Exactly. <laughs> well, there, there was a kid in high school. This is this is this might be representative along with the meat thing from before the yeah. the my high school experience. There was a kid who was younger than me, but much bigger, much fatter, and intimidating. I was walking in with my violin case to the school, and he <laughs> said, "What's in the bag?" And I said, "Do you mean my violin case?" And he said, "What are you gay?" That's. <laughs> I mean, it's not even, I've said it on stage, it seems so simple. Like, that's that happened to me. That's real. 
that was and that uh, there was a lot of that. I mean, or at least there was a lot of that in my head. That's why I ate lunch at my locker because I wanted to avoid that. Oh, you're breaking my heart. There's man. another guy who broke my ping pong paddle when we played. He was like, "Can I use your paddle?" And I was like, "Sure, you can use my paddle. I'm a nice person." And he's like, "I'm not," you know. And, and he broke your he ping broke, pong. He broke it after I won a point. He was like, "Oh, that's I'm angry now. I'll break your paddle." Uh huh. Now, it seems to me that I what I noticed right there during your conversation, I don't know how much you've talked about this before publicly, but there was a rage that I sensed that runs very deep and that only comedy can service. I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate those guys. I, I <laughs> Can I say who they are? It made, yeah, I don't, give I their names. Josh Lees was the kid who- A called, Jewish kid? No, L-E-E-S. I don't think he was Jewish. He did right. not seem All right. like yeah. a big fat Jew. Yeah. He was a big fat whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Josh Lees yeah. said the first thing, and John McPartland said- McPartland. McPartland, certainly not a Jew. Yeah. He, did you call him John McFartland? I wish I'd, I wasn't, I wasn't funny then, you know, I wasn't. Because that seemed right <laughs> up your, your, you yeah. didn't learn to do the pun thing until. I, well, so here's the thing. I was also sort of like, I thought I was above like, you know, fart shit, cock, you so know. So you, you were arrogant then. I was, I definitely was. Yeah. I thought I was smart and better. I still think I'm above. I did a fart story the other night and it felt very awkward to me. I mean, for me now, I tell, like, I'll talk about, you know, some porn or sex or like various other stories like that, but it all has to have something else. You know, some Can't other. Can't just be about that. It has to have at least something cl- either clever. Like, like it's not going to be the punchline. No, no, it won't be like. And then a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> None of that. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if it works, like that's the thing. I'm open to it. If if it comes out spontaneously, like I'm def- I'm different in the moment. Like yeah. when I, I mean, I'm somewhat the same, but more things come out when I'm on stage. That's, that's the only way I, I know how to how to write. Yeah, that's I do. I go back and forth because like I go on stage, I. Then the next day I listen back and I listen to what I said that was different than what I planned, anything that came out spontaneously. Then I write that down, keep writing, keep writing, and then go back and do it again. So you're an, uh, a sort of an angry nerd who, uh, who is now showing all those fuckers, you know, in, who, I'll tell you who likes me, everybody likes me because I'm the funny man and you guys can't even fight me anymore because like the one thing that fucking idiots are afraid of is guys that can make them look stupid by making other people laugh at them it's an incredible weapon i get that is the only the only change i would make to that is i would say former angry nerd cuz i'm honestly i don't i don't hate them i don't hate anything like i don't wish they were dead anymore well that's yeah. i mean yeah. well that's extreme but it yeah. doesn't mean you still can't be angry the one yeah. thing that i knew that i could do that there's a gift that you have if you're charming and smart and funny is that if you if you really got your craft in place when you're younger you can make fun of those guys right to their face in front of other people and they're too stupid to know it that is beautiful moment that and that is what I did not. I did not do it. So now then, I have so to now. do it after the fact on a podcast. So now let's. Wh- why the vegan thing? Uh, I became. I think in high school I was like I ate burgers and hot dogs only, and uh, you know like pizza and pasta. Like I was ate horribly, and I thought I was like you know I think probably killing animals is wrong, but burgers are delicious. You know, which is I think where most people are at. Sure. And then in college, uh, I just. I thought I was like, why don't I give it a shot? I mean, I think it's wrong. I want to just like line up my wrong beliefs. because see, this is the only like I can if if I sense where you're going, I can get on board with it. Wrong because it kills animals. Wrong, no, because it tortures. Because the system of like big, you know, factory Agri-farming, farming, yeah, yeah, that's I'm 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 completely fine with like local, organic, free range, cage free, like places where they treat the animals nice, kill them, eat them, 
Dandy. Where, where they do this before they kill him. Come here. Yeah. Who's a, who's <laughs> a good chicken? Come it's, here. That is, I'm, I'm completely, I have no problem with that whatsoever. It's completely like utilitarian based. I don't want, I just want to lessen the suffering in the world. That's, right. Well, that's noble. And so, so, yeah. So how come you don't eat the, uh, the, the chickens that had fun before they died? Uh, at this point, I feel like it might make me sick and it's just easier. And I think I can, you know, if people listen to me, either people are going to listen yeah. if I'm talking or they're not. Right. And I think more people are likely to listen. Like I enjoy, I guess, you know, we all as humans like categorization. And obviously I'm not like the most extreme. Like if there's a chicken that's going to be like, they're like, somebody's going to be like, I'm going to throw this chicken sandwich out right now. I'm hungry. There's nobody else around. I'll eat that chicken sandwich. You've done that? I have. I got, I got, or I ordered a burrito once and there was, and it was supposed to be a vegetable burrito. Literally like nobody, like everybody was gone for Christmas from my college. I was just alone. And uh, I was like, "What? I'm going to throw this in the garbage or I'm going to eat it. I ate it. So, okay. So you were like, I'm not going to let that chicken die for nothing. That's exactly what I, I will pass it through me. Yeah. And re-enter it that way. Yeah. If something, if, not, if I order something and yeah. it comes accidentally with cheese, uh, I won't be like, please send this back and throw it out. I mean, if somebody else wants to eat it, then that's ideal and I'll get my thing that I want. All right. So you have principles. I understand. I try to. Yeah. I don't know. I tried being vegetarian. Wasn't that great? I think, I mean, I don't think everybody has to or everybody, sh- I mean, there's obviously the environmental component as well. Like, where- But if I really think about shit, like I think I, there's part of my brain that just has detached from thinking too deeply about too many things because I get very sensitive about it and it, it would just horrify me. Well, that that's the thing is I also, this is the only thing, like I'm a huge hypocrite in other situations, I'm sure. Like what? Uh, like, I mean, the environment, like I, I'm sure I should recycle or I don't even know what recycling does, but sometimes, you know, if there's a garbage you and- put it in the other thing. Oh yeah, no, I do that. But if there's no other thing, you know- You then, throw it away? Yeah. Right. I've thrown away glass bottles. Even as a vegan, I've been, like I did some- But you uh, don't eat them. Uh, no, I don't. That's good. Uh, I think that's smart. Smart. Not to eat bottles. Ex- yeah, no. Plastic. I, mean, I heard the, the Freegan adventure that you have, and I, I like the, I think the Freegan- oh, Let me tell you something about yeah. that. That that fucking makes sense. I mean, that's appalling. I mean, it's not a vegan thing or anything else, but when you really see how much fucking food they throw, I mean, I'm in that dumpster, and there's part of me that's thinking like, you know, I could do this once a week. I could get all the, you know, I could eat, and there's something appealing to that, and, and not in a Jewy way. Like, you know, I don't think about the money I could save, which is a, a stereotype, but you know what I'm saying. But but there there was something appalling that there was no infrastructure in place to accommodate that 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 discarded food that's still good. And you know why? Uh, when I when I went to I went to Brandeis University, uh, we holy had, shit! You're yeah. like you, you know right when I start liking you. Ah, uh, sorry. Uh, I Go didn't. I'm, there was no need to say the name of the university. I don't think it's the greatest. Uh, I had a good time there. That's all. I like Boston, but I but work. It's, it's the Ivy League for you yeah, for the Jews. I, the only reason I went, I went there, I applied to a bunch of schools, got into a bunch. It was the one that just gave me the most money. So the Jew, the Jew reason, like, I don't know. I don't have, I didn't have college loans. That's the only reason I went to avoid having loans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was fun. Like, you, you can have fun anywhere, you know, like you can, you'll find your people. Yeah. I, I'm still learning that. Uh, I'm glad. I mean, I went to the storage space today and they asked me for an emergency <laughs> contact and I'm like, holy shit. I didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I had. A, I said, "Is okay if I put my brother in Arizona?" I don't know what kind of emergency yeah. could happen. Like we found your brother locked in the storage locker. <laughs> I think he's been there for weeks. I don't know what the emergency could be, but I didn't have one. That's good. That's what it's good to have a girlfriend for or a wife. Yeah. Anytime there's a question of an emergency contact, you always have a go-to person. And there's probably still some situations where my wife is my emergency contact that I never updated because. So she might get the call. She might at some point. Yeah, that'd be a sad call. From a storage unit uh, <laughs> in Arizona. Yeah. But uh, the when I was at Brandeis, I worked in dining services, 
I did that too. See, so we're back on the same page. Yeah, no, we got things in common. Yeah. Yeah. So I was working there. Brandeis ran the dining services themselves Mm -hmm. when I started there. Then Aramark, this huge corporation, took over like two years in. When Brandeis was doing it, at the end of every night, they would take the food, the hot food that didn't get eaten, and they'd give it to a homeless shelter. They'd just, every night. Bring it down. Yeah. Then uh, Aramark took over, and they're like, we're not going to do this. If a homeless person eats it and gets sick, they will sue us. Right. I knew that. that. Yeah, there's legal liability. Yeah. Well, they, then they, but see, that's I think that's a cop out because you can do that. You can have a release signed. I mean, if you if you build a relationship with a shelter, why couldn't you have them, you know, you know, buffer? Like, why couldn't you have them legally buffer the situation? Just saying, we'll take the risk and we'll sign this. We'll sign off on it if you guarantee that. If you just guarantee that you're not giving us garbage. Yeah, that that sounds completely perfect. Well, I guess we got to fucking fix that. Yeah, no more Aramark. That's anybody. so weird because mm-hmm. I worked at the vegetarian huh. cafeteria at BU. I served food there. Oh, BU is great for. I went to BU for my master's. Do you have a master's? I do. Oh, God. Does it help if I? It took me nine years to get it. I almost didn't get it. They sort of forced it on me. In what? Linguistics. You have a master's in linguistics. I do. Do you speak another language? Not much. I took French in uh, you know elementary high school. What is what does linguistics mean? It's basically what I do on stage. It's the uh, you play games. Uh, with words, it's fun. I mean, it's you know, there's so there's, you t- like it's like symbolic logic. There's that. There's that. There's combination. There's several levels. There's the phonetic level, you know, where it's like you know, different languages use different. You know, there's no R and L are the same letter in Japanese and in English. We have like one B in Korean. They have two Bs. So is that why they say there are like L? It is. They have one mental representation that contains both R and L, and it comes out uh, specifically depending on the circumstance. Huh. And that's something you learned with your masters. That is one of the things I learned. So you can always fall back on your linguistics. I ha- I had a job. You're, you're a doctor or a master. I'm a master. I'm you're a, a master of linguistics. Yeah. On my on my when I got my diploma finally, which my dad was very happy about, the diploma says master of arts. Or uh, and I was thinking of putting a, an apostrophe on it, hanging up in the bathroom, and saying master of farts. That was. Uh, and and that would uh, that would sort of fulfill the exact thing that yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Boy, that's very clever. That's, uh, and that's, that's like, I, I don't, here's the thing, where I'm at now is like, I don't want to apologize for it anymore. I, I will apologize for it if it really, if it really hurts you, uh, anybody, not you specifically, Mark, uh, but there's people who are like, oh, come on, why are you doing that? Why are you making that thing? It's because that's, that's part of who I am. That's, I, I'm not going to lie about it. I'd like to see you lose your shit. I, uh, I may, I think. Yeah, I think that'd be good for you. I think that's going to be the real deciding factor for you if i'm gonna if i'm gonna make any prophecies or calls about the future that you know it seems like you'll be fine in life no matter what happens but the real excitement will be when you're on stage and you 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 either have to lose your fucking shit or cry well i don't want to do that mark i'm not gonna go to that place i don't i I really can't imagine that's that's the closest i can get right here So that's just a logical joke I made. It would be funny if I lost my shit right now in reaction to what you're saying. I wouldn't expect you to. You got you you're right. You're wrapped pretty tight. I've got composure. Yeah, a lot. It's heavy composure. Like even your t-shirt, it looks like it was folded properly. And that's really nice because I'm not. That's the thing. I folded it, and I'm not good at folding things. Like I'm, I'm pretty good because I think somewhere along the line, I, I think I fold my clothes like I, um, I work at a store. I learned from a one girlfriend, like the worst girlfriend that I had, taught me how to do laundry and fold clothes. Why was she the worst? Uh because she voted for George Bush. She didn't think I was. Uh, 
funny at all. Like at the time, I was funny a little, but the way the, here's the, the the sense of humor that we had in common was laughing at some jokes on Friends. Like that was it. I played the guitar. She was like, "I don't like guitar. Don't play that." Like I, she was. So just, she didn't like anything about you, but you were fucking her. She yeah, that's that is correct. We did we like doing crossword puzzles together. That was the. We enjoyed crossword puzzles. And also, you meet somebody, yeah. they're pretty, and you're, they're pretty. They like you. And they're nice, and they like you. And that was the trifecta that I needed in the beginning. Stuff in common that came later, I was like, oh, well, yeah. this is the, I should get out of here. I don't want to raise Catholic babies. Yeah. Uh, so. Or be with somebody that doesn't like you. Yeah. I at mean, all. And here's the thing. I don't, I don't care about, you can be Catholic. I don't have a problem with Catholics in general, but I had a problem. I had I didn't, at one point, I had a problem with this Catholic and didn't want to raise that Catholic's babies. But she taught you how to fold clothes. Yeah. So uh, she she helped me from that. She was like the first girlfriend who was like, let's buy these clothes for you and teach you how to wear them. And like, so most of my wardrobe is some girlfriend taking me shopping. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, I've had that too. And, and then I learned how to shop for myself. But I mean, if I really think about being grateful for what women I've dated have given me, I think that's a nice way to do it. Like even my my recently ex wife, she uh, she got me sober. The wife before that, um, oh, I'd have to think about that one. My first girlfriend uh, <laughs> taught me how to uh, squeegee myself off with my hands, which right. I never did. Do you ever do that? Like she always used to, after she we take a shower together, she just run her hands down and like you know push the water into the tub before she dried herself with a towel. Huh? No, that sounds like a great idea. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah. She showed me how to do that. Uh, another girl showed me how to have sex because she had a hard time having an orgasm, so she was very demanding. So that that happened. It was not, you know, I never was not eased into the way to do that. So I got to be grateful for that. Uh, another one taught me how to fight. Um, you yeah, mean mentally, mental fight, emotional fight, or yeah, not like yeah, fist fight. Yeah, you got to have that one uh, sort of doormatty person in your life that will take a lot of shit. Uh, to realize, you know, what an asshole you are and that, okay, I don't need to use that skill. It's like crowd work. I know how to do crowd work. I don't like doing it unless I have to, uh, but I know how to do it. Yeah, I like doing reactive crowd. Like if somebody, if people say things, I like right. to ask why they said things. Yeah, and... have a conversation. Yeah. But like I can't watch guys that do their whole show crowd work. It's like, it's a waste of time. I literally get to a point where if I watch a crowd work comic, a lot of times I'm like, D- you didn't prepare anything? I mean, but there are some people who do, but like Todd Barry has great jokes. And then also when he goes into the crowd, I think it's like he's yes, writing but, jokes on the fly. Right. But, the, but that's, you know, that's a part of his bit. You know, he still maintains, but some guys are just sort of like, well, what do you do? Yeah, oh yeah. And then it never ends. And I, you know, it's, it's a nice talent to have. And I'm not saying, you know, people aren't entertained by it, but then I don't know what they really do. They're just, you know, all they're doing is they're um, showcasing a skill we should all have that we use when necessary. Uh, you know, it's just supposed to be uh, a little, what do you call it? Uh, uh, an arrow in the quill, not the entire thing. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. You I have mean, a record coming out. I do. It's called Vegan Mind Meld, uh, which is a, you know, it's it combines everything about me that, you know, you might hate or uh, or that other people might love. Who are you going after here? Now, you just went to Vegas and you did the job of a comic. Because this is the weird thing. You can be an alternative guy because you're... And I don't even believe in these separations. I've, but, yeah, I never think of myself as an well, alternative. Well, you're kind of nerdy, you know, just you're like a genuine nerd. You don't have to work very hard at it. I definitely, I, but I do. I do work hard, but I, it does come naturally. Yeah, it's just who you are. But yet you're you're a, a joke writer, so you can just do the jokes. So you were in Vegas. How'd that go? Uh, Vegas, I expected it to go potentially horrible. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it's people from everywhere uh, and a certain type of everywhere people. But I assumed. But... 
of the uh, you know six or seven shows that I did, like a lot of them, three of them had packed audiences, which were generally. Were you, you know, headlining? I was uh, in the middle. Okay, that's a good place. The, yeah, there can't was, lose there. There was a gentleman, Harry Basil, was the headliner. Is he still doing all the things with the props? He is props and music and sound. But he and he doesn't still do the 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 Tom Cruise thing, does he? Oh yes, he does. He still dances in his underwear. Oh yeah. And does he do the lightsaber thing? He has. Yes, he does do the light. Yep, I think you know his act pretty well. Oh my god. So he does the dance and risking risky business. He's older than me. I does say, he yeah. still does he still is he still lean enough to do that? Oh or? no, he's he's you're leaner than him certainly. I and, mean you're lean, but uh, he's not. I wouldn't describe him as lean. Oh my god, there's something so heartbreaking about that. I I mean I used to see him at the comedy store, you know, back in maybe you know '87 whenever I was a doorman there, and and he used to do that, but he was younger and lean and you know he used to put the glasses on and do the dance from risky business and then do the lightsaber thing and people loved him people uh, really responded to it uh, he gets the audience involved he uh, he brings people up and has them act things out with him uh-huh and how'd you feel about it uh i i think he does what he does and uh no I, it's fucking diplomatic I, that, that's, that's something even more condescending about you being diplomatic uh i mean it's it's not the comedy that i do it's not the comedy that mm. I respond well, to you're gonna, you're the gonna most. You're going to go far in this business. I mean, that's where that's what I do in life now. Like I've I've upset people uh, in the past by mm. that's the thing. When I started out doing comedy, I didn't have any. I was just myself. No filter, right? No, not Fuck at all. That I was, guy. Yeah. I was like, hey, I'm in my master's program, and then like a guy took me aside and he's like, these people don't even know what a master's program is. Don't yeah. don't say it like that if you're yeah. going to say it. And it's I was like, sending to them. Yeah. What are you talking about? But I didn't even know what. Like I didn't know. I was I I was smart, but I was so unaware. Like. I got to be honest with you. I'm just baiting you, but I, I've I've gotten the same way. I mean, when I hear that about Harry, like I'm glad that he's still okay and that he's still performing and that people are still enjoying what he's doing. It's just knowing the evolution that I've had as a performer and as a person and growing as a creative uh, uh, voice that there's something that saddens me when people get stuck in in that place. And I mean, for and it's it's also it's Vegas, so he's he's there doing his you know his Vegas. That's where people. Act. Well, well, that's I mean, a lot of people. That's where they they want to be. I mean, once you're a comic, see that that's the difference. Is that you know this is probably a guy who had a, a much bigger dream about where he would fit into the world of entertainment. But, you know, by virtue of the fact that he probably is not going to write a script, he's not going to be offered a staff job, that if you don't make it huge... Uh, he actually does. He is a he prefers to be a director and screenwriter. He has created some movies. Yeah? Yeah, that's, uh, that's I think, more of his passion. Which ones? Uh, he has a, a, a vampire movie out now on DVD with Armin, Armand DeSante in it. Yeah. And uh, he was he wrote and directed some of Rodney Dangerfield's movies. He, like, he opened for Rodney and wrote on uh, some of his stuff. All right, well then, uh, then I'm not going to feel bad for him. Sounds like he's doing yeah, fine. Not heartbreaking in the least. But this yeah, is sort because of, I, I yeah. tell you, Armin Asante is hard to get him. I can't get him. You probably could. I mean, <laughs> I haven't tried, but I just thought. I mean, he's a guy. He's a guy I've heard of. I assume yeah. I can't get him. Send him a project. Uh, I'll see what I can do. I, I had a dream last night that Kathy Griffin called me on the phone and told me, she asked me if I was still in Vegas, and she's like, "No, you're not there. Can you get back in an hour? I have a show." And she's like, "I love you. I don't know why. I have her book. I'm about to read her book, but other than that, there's no." It's it's uh, to have Kathy Griffin kicking around your subconscious is uh, it's it's that's that's telling somehow. What is it? Yeah, let it, what is it telling? I don't know, but you know she's a very specific type of personality. I like her comedy. I really I think she's a good storyteller. Yeah, she's uh, she's quite a she she's a uh, a force to be reckless. See now I'm being. Th- you're doing it. You're doing it. Yeah. Well, I pissed her off years ago. <laughs>
Okay, we're good. You good? Uh, I feel good. I'm glad you came. I'm also glad I came. It worked out. I feel like I, I know you better. That and, is definitely the truth. And uh, I like you all right. Is that good? That is the best. <laughs> Okay, folks, as many of you know, I have been through two marriages, and uh, neither one of them are what I would call successful marriages because they're over. Uh, so I thought it would be appropriate to book a guest or a series of guests, uh, this being the first of a series, this couple, uh, to talk about marriages. Now, this book, The Perfect Marriage, is by Jerry and Kathy McDowell, uh, who I have uh, here in the uh, in the garage at the Cat Ranch. Welcome, Jerry. Welcome, Kathy. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very I, uh, much. I thought uh, the, I thought the book was helpful, if not a unique approach uh, to to what most people would call the perfect marriage. I would think people would be surprised when they read this at some of the things that uh, that you guys explore. Really? You have written several books. One, uh, some parents may know, uh, masturbation is okay because it, it is, is okay because it is. I you don't have to convince me. Okay, I, I'm sold. Okay, uh, yeah, but I guess that's uh, some parents have this guilt they attach to that act. Oh, do they? So we're speaking to unenlightened people. Now, if I, what is the, the primary thrust of that book? Well, so, it's just that at, at any age, masturbation's okay. And you know, now, if you see it in a toddler or, you know, just at any, whenever your kids start to explore their genitals, it should be encouraged and mm -hmm. talked about, and you should share in that in whatever way you can. And I think empirically, uh, my wife and I, we have a son, James, who we were able actually to study and uh, teach him what we believe about masturbation. So I think it's actually not philosophical, but it's actually very practical uh, in the upbringing of a child. Wait, wait, We've done I, a lot of field work. Oh, so, so you're saying that you showed your son how to masturbate? Absolutely, I did. Uh -huh. Absolutely, I did. I have no shame about that, and I That's think he grew up. day. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. yeah. Now I, you know, I'm I'm almost hesitant to ask about the other book, uh, or uh, Potty Paradise. Potty Paradise was. Uh, that's basically a potty training video when our son was, uh, oh, I believe, three and a half. Uh -huh. It's a DVD and along with a book, uh -huh. teaching book. And uh, again, we documented our struggle to teach a, a boy how to poo poo and pee pee in the potty. Uh huh. Well, that seems normal. I mean, yeah. was it was there anything unusual about that? Did uh, none of this is unusual? So. I, I find none of the books okay. unusual. Uh, well, let's let's get to the current book because it, it most applies to me. Uh, in the perfect marriage, how long have you two been married? Twenty three wonderful years. Wonderful, wonderful years. Uh huh. And you both. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, let's just get right into it. I mean, how, how do you make it work? That's a long time. You've oh, had gosh. one child. How many ch children do you have? We have one. From what I understand, if I'm if I if I read the book properly, you you spent a lot of time apart. Am I not? Well, I think to throw out the the major crux of the book is that. Relationships are stronger if you stay independent. Mm -hmm. uh, in our vows, mm -hmm. Kath and I, at our uh -huh. wedding vows, we said, I will never compromise myself for you. And that was sort of the mandate that has made yeah, our marriage seriously. successful. Well, that's interesting because usually it's the other way. Usually it's, uh, I, I will you know, do anything for you. I'll, I'll be loyal to you. But and we when... won't. And that's the difference. We won't do anything. Like, well, let's say he got sick. Um, well, we've already discussed this, actually, and what? it depends how sick he got. I mean, if he were to become unattractive and lose a significant amount of weight, I, I, I won't promise, and I haven't promised to, um, to uh, see that through with mm. him. And vice versa. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, my suspicion is Kath will be around, but I cannot ask her 
or demand that you know she owes me something because that's you know we What's are the individuals. What's the point of being married then? Uh, oh, to God. enjoy each other's yeah, company, and to have we do, fantastic and we do. Uh, sex. You do have good sex. To raise a oh, child, yeah. we have amazing sex. You've had good sex for twenty three years. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the things we did when we first set up our home is we declared a sex room. Mm-hmm. We built a sex room where we can basically act like animals. It's basically a hard floor and some ropes. And uh, it's nothing soft in the room, too. No, no I think we some are water bottles. Um, uh-huh. we water just, bottles, so we can stay hydrated. And there's a but... pillow, but the pillow got a little grody, so we threw it out. Right. Okay. Now we do this... need a pillow. Remind me. Do. So you have a down. sex room. Yes. How, how often do you have sex? You don't mind me asking. Well, one of the things we do, I, I guess we have a bit of behavior modification in us, is we uh, promise each other we will have intercourse four times a month and oral sex at least three. And uh, so those Separate? are the. Can oral happen at this? Oh same yeah, time? sometimes we can knock off, you know, a couple and an oral in a session. Sure. Right? Do you sure. keep a tally, or I mean, it's absolutely. Oh, that's scheduled every month. Yeah. Oh, on a day. And if right. I'm busy okay. or if okay. I'm out of town, I'll have to catch up in February if I didn't perform in January, or you know, we can trade out. You know, it's very negotiable. It's a very fluid economy. We does have. anything happen spontaneously? Oh God, no. Oh, okay. it's so it's it's um it's so much more satisfying when we know exactly what we're in for yeah i think the expectations uh are there and that's why marriages fail is because people don't have fair expectations or mm-hmm. they don't speak their expectations with kath and i our cards literally we have oral sex cards or intercourse cards we we even have a silent card for example sometimes i feel like kath doesn't let me talk so i'll give her a silent card and she has to be quiet for two hours while so we're having sex no no anywhere I anywhere in the I world i could get a silent card during this interview, I don't know. I might. Kath had a lecture she was giving at the uh, uh, behavior psychology department. Uh-huh. It's a pretty big deal. It was a big deal, and I and she frustrated me because she wasn't listening about this argument we'd had about the carpeting. So right before she went on stage, I gave her a silent card, and she couldn't give the speech. You honored had, him. Of and course, it, I did. It was time to be silent. And you stood up there, silent. And how did that go over? It was confusing. Well, it was definitely confusing for the crowd. Um, but I think ultimately, I, when I look back, I'm glad I didn't speak. Yeah, because uh, what speaking to something you asked earlier, our first priority in our lives mm-hmm. is to make each other happy. I know Absolutely. it might not seem like it from Absolutely. what you're saying, but... I just don't know how I'm going to find somebody who's going to follow these rules. I mean, some of them seem okay, but you're telling me that you find couples that... Uh, that read this book and, and both people are on board? Well, you know, one of the best things we put in our book yeah. is uh, in-laws or friends are never welcome in, welcome in our home. No friends? No friends. Because it creates fiction and it creates tension. So we always meet outside of the home. The friends. And in-laws. It started with in-laws because Kath's Kath's in-laws are rather difficult. All right, let's turn. Let's let's focus a little bit on child rearing here because you True. do have a son. I don't. Do, do, do now where does. He, does he get to have friends over? Does does he know about all this stuff? Is there the the sex room and, and all this business? Well, for the I, first um, eight years, yeah. uh, there were no friends at the house because Kath was uh, still breastfeeding. Bre- breastfeeding till eight years old. Correct. Just shy. Just shy. Okay. Is that right? Yes. Yes. They had There's an incredible like the, mother-child oh, bond. There it was is so nothing beautiful, Nothing like seeing your child walk up to you and ask you. And you can for see this, teat. not to plug it, but you can it's, see this in our DVD that comes with our book, Weaning Your Boy. What about sex with the with the kids in terms of teaching him about sex? Because we talked a little bit about masturbation in your last book. So when it comes to talking about, we have uh, another book about that called Birds and Bees Talk, uh-huh. where we filmed ourselves teaching James about all the wonderful uh, elements of becoming a sexual human being. Mm. What, what does that mean? What did you film? 
uh, our sit downs with him. Yeah, our sit downs and and the um, series of exercises we did in front of him for him to really understand. It's just mm-hmm. hard. He's he's a very visual boy. And you have to know how your wait. children learn. Audio visuals, like uh, we would bring in some <clears throat> of Cat's uh, dildos, for example, and we would go through uh, average size penis to uh, mutated penis or whatever. But what, what about, have you? What about the actual act of intercourse? Love making. Fine. How did we teach him that? Yes. Well, we when he was, uh, I believe he was 16 years old hmm. and was still a virgin. Yeah. And uh, I ponied up some money and got him a, a prostitute. That seems really old school and kind a of A prostitute crap. with a uh, doctorate degree in I'm sexuality. Fully tested for all STDs. And how'd that um, go for James? He loved it. Yeah, uh-huh. he had a great he time. He loved it. And, we- and a beautiful woman. Oh, she and was still a lovely. family friend. Absolutely. I mean, still she, a family and we sat her down afterwards to find out, you know, just how she would rate his performance. And we got, and she was also part of our experiment on James. Right. Is like we had a bunch of questions for her, how he performed, what were his hangups, because it all went into the book about birds and bees talk. Now, I I don't usually do this, but uh, I, I just in, in I I'm not really a journalist, but after reading your book and knowing I was going to talk to you, and, and, and it's been very enlightening. Oh, I'm good. not sure which way, you know. And I, I know you're. I don't what know do you what mean? you mean by that. Well, I I didn't know that people live like this. I mean, oh. it's fairly specific, and and I know you think it's uh, in academia. Pro- it's fairly common. I can tell mm-hmm. you that, Mark. What What are you saying? In the upper levels of education, in there the are academy many couples, where we work, yes, there are many couples like us. Okay. When you go to uh, some seminar at a university, this is going on. Well, when I was, you know, doing some research on you on Google, you know, I came upon uh, a James McDowell, uh, who I now know as your son. He's uh, he's in a fairly popular Marilyn Manson cover band called mm-hmm. The Beautiful People. That's true. And I, you know, after reading your book, I thought, well, you know, this kid, you know, deserves to have a voice. And and okay. I've I've asked him to join us. Let me uh, let me let me let him in. Hold on. Okay. All right. This, was, this will go. This will be. I, as I it guess is. this is what it is. I haven't seen him. Hey. In a, oh man. Yep. Hello, James. Hi, sweetie. Hello, Dad. I haven't seen you in a few days. I know. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm that's okay. A, that's I'm a wonderful good. shirt you're wearing. Thank you. I made it. I've been talking to your parents, James. Nice to meet you, and I appreciate you coming down. To today to to do this because I read their book and I and I I sort of browse some of their other books and and I just think in the way I was brought up which wasn't really that great either that it, you got two parents who are psychologists and I knew a lot of kids growing up as psychologists and you know these are their sex rooms they're up in your shit all the right. time excuse me I mean what what was that like uh it was it was insane uh just so crazy. Uh, I don't. You guys can see a lot of it on my blog. Can I plug my blog? Yeah, sure. It's called perfectschmurfect.tumblr.com. Uh huh. It's uh, deals with do a they, lot of the. Do like, they know about that? Um, I think I think they do. You I've guys, seen you guys links read my to blog? it. I don't really uh, care to go in there because I feel like I have a good relationship with my son, so I don't want to dig up. Oh, any so that's skeletons. one place you're not going to be intrusive and. If I need to talk well, about my personal. son, that's personal. That's on the internet. That's yeah. it's it's that's his, his private. To thing. me, that's his diary. Yeah. I wouldn't read I my wouldn't, son's oh, diary. God, no. but you were having someone write a, 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 a basically a, a status report of his first sexual experience. Yet you're not going to read his blog because again, boundaries are tantamount to successful relationships, okay, and I feel right. like he's declaring a space on the on the web. Yes. I notice you're not really talking here, James. Now, do you want? Do you have something to say to your your parents? In in the sense of, because uh, I'm just curious. There's a sex room in the house. The sex room, 
yeah, we've had a sex room. They installed it when I was five, five years old. Uh-huh. Um, uh, they speak of boundaries. I don't really feel like you've ever had any boundaries. It was soundproof. That's not true, James. You have complete freedom in our yard. In, you, in the yard? Yes, but I mean, we support you, but we don't invade your life, I don't think, do we? Is he a dog? Is he a dog in the yard? Thank you. Well, the back uh-huh. area, we built a garage that is a wonderful studio apartment for our son. Uh-huh. Is, gets... it a, is it a wonderful studio apartment, or is it, is it, it like this? It is pretty nice. It is a pretty nice uh, apartment, but they- We've done fairly well. They won't well. let me move out, though. I'm not allowed to go to college. Why? I wasn't allowed to go to college. Too far away from the nest, they said. What do you- Well, it's not, you know, we just, he's an adult now, he's over 18 years old, right. and- we just don't think we should have to pay for college. In fact, that we are still waiting, and and this is no pressure, James. But everything we've spent on you, they invoiced since you me were... when I was when I turned eighteen. They invoiced me for every expense that I've caused them since I was born, but with no interest. So what, there's what is that? What, how much money was that? Um, I think it was uh, three point one million dollars. So. So you, you've got him basically staying at home, owing you $3.1 million, and you hold that over him? And how, that's somehow appropriate? And I didn't get any of the book money, even though all these books are written about me. The book money will be yours when you're 39, okay? And you get uh, 39. 2%. Mm-hmm. 2%? Because, well, he didn't participate as a writer. He, I think we're being very generous. I'm not going to... We've had lawyers uh, have these deals in front of all of us, and I think they're oh. very fair. I, I don't feel like I'm exploiting my son, if that's what you're saying, James. I support you whenever you do. I've gone and seen many of your shows. Uh, we built a wonderful space for you and your friends. The kid deserves an education. He deserves to be allowed out of the house. We're not disallowing an education, Mark. There are wonderful community colleges in our area, and he can pursue that. I mean, uh, you're teachers, can... right? Yes, you're yes, teachers. Sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You yes, teach sir. college. Yes, sir. All right, so you got a son that you're going to send to community college. You have money. You've written books about him. Uh, you've, he, he's obviously, I, I feel like he's being held hostage. Well, they, we're very old-fashioned. Old-fashioned, you, you guys... You bring yourself a, up by your bootstraps. Yeah, we, we know the value of a dollar. School. We they know say, the value of a dollar. They say I'm an investment, and they've put a down payment on me until I can pay them back. $3.1 million. $3.1 mil. So, James, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to bring this up like this, but, I mean, it, it sounds to me, in listening to them, that you could probably press charges for some of these videos. I mean, you, I mean, you were like, what were you, 15? They brought a prostitute over? Well, technically, she was my dad's intern, so she was getting college credit for it, so I don't think that she's a prostitute. She's not a professional streetwalker. Did you pay her? Uh, she got uh, study hours. Okay. It's like I, a work-study program. I may have so. presented her as a prostitute. She's not a prostitute. Well, I guess what I'm saying, James, is I'm getting angry at your parents. Aren't you angry at your parents? I'm absolutely angry with my parents. Well, then what, what are you going to do about it? Just do you continue have a, to take it? If you have an angry card on you, we'd, angry card. we would receive it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give Your you index. a hug card. Oh. Okay, so I want got... a hug card. Well, you have one. What's the angry card? An angry card is if, if um, an index card that has the word angry on it. And, and a if, frown. Right. And if James feels angry, he can present us with one of those cards. And if I collect 10 of those within a week, then we have to have a sit down and talk about why he's angry. Why can't we just sit down and talk about what I'm angry about? Because right I haven't away. received. Let's do it. Let's, I haven't let's, received. Let's do ten it now. Let's do what, it now. I, I don't mean to be a stickler, but I need to see ten angry cards in front of me. Mark. Yeah, look, we want to have your a, world now. We're in my world. But this is behavior say? modification. Do you we have? We want to have a nice interview, but we just right. don't have all the cards. If you want to spend them, if you want to use them, yeah, I have them on me. Do you want me to hand them to you? Of course I do. I can't just talk. I have a couple. Of course I do. 
I have a couple angry comments. I'll, I, let me see them. I may just honor them, Mark. You, you, you may just honor them? Well, we have Jesus separate Christ. currencies. You people are out of your I'll fucking give you minds. Eight. We'll give you eight I angry cards, that. and Mark can give you two. Okay, fine. Here. I guess we're now having okay. an angry conversation. Yeah, he'll go his eight, and I'll go two. Fair okay, enough. Great. Thank you, you can have yours back, Mark. Thank you for Mark. doing this. I, what, I'm, you're giving These it back don't, to me? You're damaging our economy. Well, I don't, I don't appreciate a lot of the things that you guys did, and I, when we were growing, when I was growing up, as far like the books and stuff. Yeah. Um, Can I? No. Not okay. Yet. The I don't like that my potty training is out there. Like people can watch that right now. Like, people I know. Uh, I don't like that my wiener doesn't work now. Whoa. What do you mean your wiener doesn't work? Yeah, my, I haven't been able to sustain an erection since I was uh, 17 years old. Why is that? Could that have something to do with the breastfeeding till you're eight? The breastfeeding till I was eight, the family roundhouse masturbation. What is that? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Family roundhouse masturbation? They said it wasn't a race, but I don't see any other point than, to, than a race. Like, the rules were the same as a race. They get real mad and give me an angry card when right. I called it a race. All right, all right, Jerry, you can talk. Thank you. Uh, Explain the, the last yourself. thing. The the roundabout was we would go into separate rooms, and we would just say go, and whoever uh, reached orgasm first won the race, and they got a free and ice cream sundae. You had to bring proof. There's What's a, the point of that? This kid is so confused he can't even find his anger. You hear? He's I'm compressed. willing to talk about fixing thought, the penis issue right I, now. There's two yeah, way glass. About that. My whole the whole time growing up, there was two way glass between my room and the sex room. And for whatever reason, they installed that when they built it, and I could see out, but nobody could see into my room. I don't get that. Why did you? Well, do that was that? just an honest mistake. That was supposed to be a guest room, and it was and later covered to, with a poster yes. of Mick Jagger. Listen to your tone. So you're saying, like, now you're saying I can fix the the penis problem? Mm -hmm. What you've caused this kid nothing but problems. You can't fix anything. You guys are ridiculous. I don't, don't believe we caused the dysfunction in his penis, Mark. I truly don't. I mean, what do you everything think it is, Jerry? I well, think it's, it's our society. Yeah. If you and really he, want to know. And the I truth think you're is, in denial and you both are a couple of freaks and I'm amazed that anybody's oh, wow. buying your book. I resent this that term. Really, yeah. This is not this is a good really interview at this give point. Me an angry I, card. This is name calling. You, no, I, you don't have angry cards. Don't, I will give you an angry don't card. Don't that with me, Jerry, unless Fine. you have an angry card. You have an angry card. Okay. Now you don't even Jerry, know what to do with Jerry, be careful. Take that card back, Jerry. Okay. Take the card back. You should be in a hospital. Move in here. Thank I, you. I'd love to. We have done nothing. We have our child has never been molested. We never, have fed him. That, we have arguable. clothed him. We have never touched him. You're, we have never touched him sexually you, ever. He was breastfeeding till he was eight. That is not a sec is breastfeeding a sexual thing to after you? a certain point. It's a, it is to me. Breastfeeding is absolutely a sexual thing to me. I scour Craigslist every day does looking that, for lactating women. Does that? Does your I don't think work that's for that. No, it doesn't. I I, I get off on the shame. Huh. And I can only be, um, I can only ejaculate from internal stimulation. What does that mean? Um, like massaging my prostate uh -huh. from inside of my body. I understand. Well, that's fine. Let me just try to summarize a little bit here. I, um, you two have a marriage where you you don't, you're fairly separate. That you you know independent you, okay mm -hmm. you can but call loving what you want you have a sex room you sleep in different rooms probably yes sir yes okay that's not so unusual you have a son here that you experimented on who who can't get it up even when he and tries to enjoy the one thing that he uh, fetishizes which is uh, women who are breastfeeding and he can only have an orgasm by sticking his finger in his ass and and he lives in a garage in the back and you say he owes you three million dollars and somehow or another. 
you call this successful parenting and you say you have a successful marriage. And, well, and if you paint it like that. Yeah, that wasn't a very rosy picture. It, you, or were those all facts? I think those are selective facts. Okay. So, okay, let me other. add a few other ones. You, okay. you, you have no talk Tuesdays. You give each other anger cards and, and quiet cards. And uh, you don't allow friends or relatives in the house. Uh, you know, you have sex with interns and, and okay. I, you, you know, I don't want to be closed minded and I'm going to let my listeners decide what they want to decide. So why don't you, you know, tell me the name of the, the book is called the perfect marriage. Perfect marriage will be at the Pasadena Barnes and Noble. And you can also, and how do you draw in Pasadena? Very well. Mm-hmm. Very well. There's a big academic mm-hmm. population there. And, uh, we also have, uh, Jerry and calf com. And I'm sure, James, you have a show you'd love to promote or something. Um, yeah, I have my, my band, uh, The Beautiful People. We're going to play at The Squash. Can I just say something to your listeners? They're not, ve- the band is not very good. So I just want to adjust the James. This is just about me adjusting Holy expectations. Shit, my penis isn't going to work after this interview. We have two original songs. Two original songs. Two original. It's and, a uh, cover band. He's a Marilyn Manson three, cover band. Well, they play to no, a karaoke track. I think he's. Yeah. I think he's wonderful. I just think he's wonderful when you know what you're getting, which is something fairly mediocre. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome. Oh my God. <sighs> okay. Well, Jerry, Kathy, James, I, 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 I thank you for being. My thank guest. you so thank you much for having this us was on. Wonderful. This is, yeah. I really was enjoyed it? this. Yes. Was it wonderful? Yes. Yes, it was. Absolutely. James? It was, it was okay. I appreciate uh, appreciate the support. Okay, buddy. Well, Do you need a ride home? Yeah, you guys won't let me drive. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, I, I guess we learned something there. I, you know, different strokes for different folks, uh, I guess they say. Or maybe they just say different strokes now. They probably don't say the whole last part. They, they might not say any of that. But that was interesting. All right, here's a couple of things. I want to get this out there before I forget. Uh, one, obviously, we're going to be in Tempe tomorrow night. That's uh, if you're listening to this on the 8th. Eddie Pepitone and I are going to be in Tempe at the Madcap Theaters. You can go to madcaptheaters.com and sneak in there. Also, did I say also twice? I'm trying to get my this guy. I, I can't say he's my friend, but I feel like we're kindred spirits. Uh, Brendan Burns, he's an Australian comedian, works primarily in uh, in England and all over Europe. Uh, he's uh, yeah, the same generation uh, as me, maybe a little. I think he's a little younger, but old school, provocative, thoughtful, aggressive comedy. And I've heard a lot about him. I kept missing his show in Edinburgh, and uh, I'm hoping to get him in here next week. But I do know that if you're in Los Angeles and you're listening to this, you know, on the 7th or the uh, the 8th or even the 9th or the 10th of uh, April, that Brendan Burns is going to be at the Unknown Theater uh, on the 9th, 10th, and 11th uh, here in Los Angeles. So you might want to look at that. Uh, I think it'd be interesting. And I don't think these guys coming over from Europe, they, they don't get a lot of support here unless, you know, they get a lot of push from the business. But there's a couple of cats coming around. Uh, and America is a big country, and they come out here, and, and I don't know if people know they're here, but uh, but you know, I generally don't either. But you know, I talked to Brendan, and I'm trying to get him on the show, and I and he said, look, you know, if you can get me on this week, and I couldn't, but I I want to throw that out there. He's going to be at the Unknown Theater the 9th, 10th, and 11th of April. That's Brendan Burns. Uh, I guarantee you, he'll uh, he'll push your buttons. He's aggressive, and uh, he's in the uh, 
in the uh, the thought-provoking, hypocrisy-ripping uh, tradition of comedy. So go check that out. Also, WTFPod.com. If you go there, we've got a new mailing list, and I've started. Thank God I have an intern, but I'm starting to get responsible. I'm going to be putting out a weekly newsletter. So I encourage you to go to WTFPod.com and get on the mailing list because I got this new pretty email thing that sends out these pretty well-organized newsletters. And I'm going to give you information on upcoming guests. I'm going to give you information on my upcoming gigs. I'm going to put special information only for people on the mailing list. I'm going to offer special deals there for my shows. Uh, Also, we're going to give you more background on the comedians and guests that we have on the show so you can see what they're up to and where they come from. Because I know a lot of you are saying, like, play their bits. I'm not going to do that. But I will give you this information. I will give you some stuff that you're not getting on the show if you go get on the mailing list at WTFPod.com. Of course, go to PunchlineMagazine.com to get all your comedy information up to date, things, interviews, stuff. You know the story. Someone remind me next time to talk about the Greek Easter. I went with my housemate who's Greek and uh, starting to think I should just marry her. She already lives here. We get along good. Just got to cross that other thing into that other space. I'll think about it. You guys take care of yourselves. 